I just want to finish, and it will be just about five to ten minutes. It won't be long. It's a reminder of something I think I've spoken on here before, but this is a summary. Why are we doing any of it? Why do we do it at all? Why don't we just spend all our time keeping ourselves together and trying to be looked after and look after each other in the church? Why don't we, haven't we got enough to do? Haven't we got enough to do without all this evangelism? Haven't we got enough to do in our lives? Well, let me give you four good reasons, really, just bullet point reasons, why we need to take all this seriously. The first one is the command of Jesus. The command of Jesus. If we are disciples of Jesus Christ, we take seriously what Jesus says. And look at this one, Mark 16 and verse 15. Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Now that is Jesus' instruction to all his disciples. Every one of us. That our constant mission is to tell everybody the good news about Jesus. And the great theological writings of our New Testament that we love and that we pour over, and ironically that many of us would pour over in our lonely little quiet times or many people study in their uh, Bible colleges, these great writings were all written by men who were actively involved in Jesus' Great Commission. They were all written by missionaries, by evangelists, by people who were out there preaching the gospel and planting churches. They wrote the New Testament totally in a context of outreach, all the time, 100% of the time. And in Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said, be my witnesses, be my witnesses. Now, he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and be my witnesses. Now, the, actually, you can play around with it and think about it, but in bottom line terms, that means a spoken testimony. Greek and all the rest of it. Basically, tell people about me. Yes, we do demonstrate with our lives, and of course we should. I'm a great advocate, actually, of things like, you know, doing kindness and good deeds, because I really do feel it's important. But actually, the bottom line is we tell people in some form about Jesus. That's the meaning of the word, that, you know, be giving testimony, be witnessing to me, telling people about me. And that's what we're called to do to be ambassadors for Christ, to represent the kingdom of heaven to everybody we meet. So the command of Jesus. The second one is the glory of God. The glory of God. And let's look at Ephesians 3 and a couple of verses in Ephesians. Thank you. The next next slide. Although I am less than the least of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Now, I could choose a lot of verses. I chose that one because of the wonderful terminology in it. To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. We have wonderful riches, wonderful, glorious truths to tell people. The honour God, about his mercy, about his love, about his grace. There's so much bad-mouthing of God in our media, in our culture particularly. Cynical sneering, if there's a God, why doesn't he do this and that and the other? But actually, we can tell them, God loves you. God has poured his life out for you through his son, Jesus Christ. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of forgiveness. It's good news, but it glorifies God. And we want to demonstrate the wisdom of God to rulers and authorities on earth and in the heavenlies. 
And we do that by living the gospel and speaking the gospel. God has always wanted his people, Old Testament and New Testament, to bring honour to his name. And we're here to bring honour to his name. So actually a high sort of purpose in the gospel is, is to do that, is to tell people what God is really like and what God really has done and how much he really does love them and the, 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 the hope that he's brought and the healing and the potential. We are to be to the praise of his glory. It comes out again and again in Ephesians. The church is to live and speak and be to the praise of his glory. And the gospel is a big part of that. Amen? So that is a major motive. Let's look at a third reason why we evangelise. The present state of the people around us. The present state of the people around us. And let's look at one verse. Ephesians 4 and verse 18. Thank you. The next slide. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. We Christians of all the people in the world know what the real problem is with men and women. <laughs> the real problem is sin. Is that man, men and women have rebelled against God and are in a state summarised in this verse darkened in their understanding, separated from God and hardened in their hearts by sin. We know the real problem. We are streetwise, brothers and sisters. We know that it isn't a matter of just altering the laws a bit or or improving the environment. We know the problem is deeper than that. And hallelujah, we know there's an answer to it. There's a hope in the gospel of change. People can be forgiven their sins, given a new heart, a new spirit, and changed from the inside out. The only real answer in the world is the gospel. There are lots of sticking plasters, and I don't, I don't despise, for example, feeding the hungry or improving um, you know, water supplies and things like that. Of course, they're wonderful. But actually, if you're looking for the real problem... The real problem of why there is so much unhappiness and greed and awful things around. The real problem is the heart of men and women. And we've got the answer to the real problem. We've got the answer. And the best thing, therefore, you can do for your country and the state of this world is tell people about Jesus. That is the very best thing you can do. If you're worried, and I often get what you watch the news, you get so cross with the state of things, and it seems so stupid, and then God reminds me, well, preach the gospel then, John. <laughs> Tell them about Jesus then. Because that's the best thing you can do. There's nobody out there who I think would be worse off to know about Jesus. They'd all be better off to be saved. And finally, this rather challenging, sobering truth, the future that awaits every individual. So there's the present state of our world. That's why we evangelise. There's the the, the command of Jesus. There's the glory of God. There's the present state of our world, the people around us. But there's also the future that awaits every individual. Let's look at Daniel 12 and verse 2. Just one verse to, could take many of course. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life others to shame and everlasting contempt. Isn't that a sobering challenge? That is a sobering fact. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth, people who have already died and are dying all around us, will one day awake for judgment. Some to everlasting life, some to everlasting contempt. The Bible teaches that there is 
a life after death. There is an accountability for our lives. There is a judgment day, a final time when all of us will come under the judging eye of a holy God. Now, the Bible also teaches this fact. The fact is that, in a sense, that won't be a surprise what happens that day because we're already condemned. We're already under the wrath of God through our sin. The Bible is very clear that we're already, as it were, just waiting judgment. It's not like there's a, well, we'll see, you know, there'll be sort of a bit of a, a, a doubt about many of it. No, no. Actually, there's a sense in which our sin already separates us from God. We've seen that. Already hardens our heart. The thing is, the gospel gives a chance for you to escape condemnation and enjoy eternal life. Otherwise, God's wrath remains on you. That's what it says in John 3, verse 36. God's wrath remains on you. So actually, around us, there are people like under condemned men and women with judgment hovering over them. And if we don't bring the answer, condemnation is certain because of sin. Now, if we believe that, and I challenge myself as I speak to you, I think we'll be a little bit more earnest in our evangelism. And I'm talking to myself as well. Do I believe that those three guys who I brushed just my life, touched lightly this week, that if nothing happens to them, they're going to go to hell, be condemned? If I do, I might linger to see if I get an opportunity to tell them about a hope in Jesus. I might treat those opportunities a little more weightily. I'm challenging myself. I'm going through this myself this week. And I think, without giving you a heavy thing, because this isn't heavy, because we also believe in the sovereignty of God and all the stuff I talked about, but actually there is a responsibility on us to tell men and women of the only hope they've got, that they might go to a glorious eternity with the living God rather than one of everlasting contempt and darkness. It's sobering. There is no second chance after death. It is appointed to man once to die, and after that the judgment. So this is a terrific motivation to share the gospel. Let's look for opportunities to evangelise, to share the gospel, to tell them about Jesus, whatever word you want to use. Because Jesus commanded it for the glory of God, that men might know of his glory Because of the present state of our nation and our culture and people, their state they're in, and because of the future that awaits them, which is certain. It's not a surprise, but there is an answer. There's an answer in Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's stand together as we're closing. Let's just stand together. I want us to just pray for a few minutes, I think, this morning. I just ask you to pray, maybe for yourself, a bit like I've perhaps talked about myself. Say, oh God, will you help me? Not, not, don't please feel that I'm only, only challenging you. I am challenging you, but Lord, will you help me to see those divine appointments you give me with people? A bit like Adam myself. Lord, help me to take the opportunities you give. Lord, give me courage. Give me wisdom. Give me the words to speak. Pray that sort of thing for yourself. Let's, let's have a time of just praying. Lord, I want to see people saved this year. Give me someone who I can lead to you, Lord. Would you do that? Just ask, Lord. Let's ask this year, this next 12 months, and it could be this evening. That'd be wonderful. And I hope it's more than one. <laughs> but Lord, will you give me somebody I can lead to you? Help me to see what you're doing in my life. Give me divine appointments. Pray your own prayers, but let's just pray for ourselves for a moment. 
And then we will do one other thing, praying together before we finally stop. But let's just do that. Lord Jesus, I pray.